Hi, I'm Michelle Curtis from South Africa. Hi, I'm Miranda Hale from Canada, and this is the Wanderlust Woman podcast, where two expat moms from different countries discuss living abroad with their families and all the joy and struggles that comes with it. Join us for weekly podcasts where we discuss topics with our fellow wandering women and their fascination with embracing the foreign world around them. On our very first episode, we'll be chatting with Michelle about her journey from South Africa to Zambia and now to her current life in Panama. Now, Michelle, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks, and you? Good. How's your day been so far in beautiful Panama? Uh, spent the morning doing motocross with my son, and I'm knackered. Are you? <laughs> it's exhausting. What's exhausting? The heat or just like the physical aspect of doing the motocross? I think it's the concentration as well um, and holding that bike up and uh the heat as well but you don't feel the heat when you're going as fast as i am i mean really i know you're just so fast you just get the breeze in your hair (laughs) (laughs) we went we just went for a walk this morning and again it was hot and as soon as we went outside like we try to go out earlier in the day because it is so hot here in panama so we try to go out earlier in the day meaning you know before 10 o'clock but as soon as we walked out the door it was like a wall of heat and humidity hit us in the face and I said to Chris, my husband, that it's going to rain because you can just feel that wall of heat. And sure enough, we're walking and it starts raining. But it was such a nice welcome relief from that wall of heat. It's like all of a sudden that heat lifts and you get some, I mean, you're still hot and sweaty, but you get some relief from the rain. But I mean, that leads me into that you and I are both in Panama We could drive to each other's houses in less than two hours, but you are on the Pacific Ocean and I am on the Caribbean Sea. I know, it's crazy. We're so far, but we're so near. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that we're on two different coasts, I mean, it's just incredible. It's an incredible country. But like Michelle and I mentioned, it's so hot in Panama. The average temperature in Panama is anywhere from 32 degrees Celsius to 36 degrees Celsius. But it feels much hotter than that. Wouldn't you agree with the humidity? With the humidity, it makes it feel even worse. I mean, the worst is when you get out the shower and then you dry yourself and you're still wet afterwards, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Panama is so close to the equator that it's just it's always hot and tropical here. Of course, except for when you get up into the mountains where they do have some more spring like conditions, a little bit rainier. So we do have two seasons in Panama. We have a dry season and a rainy season. Both are extremely hot, extremely humid, and extremely tropical. But Panama is a small country. Panama is a narrow S-shaped country. It's located between Colombia and Costa Rica. It's bordered by both the Caribbean Sea and the North Pacific Ocean. And the country forms the land bridge between North and South America, the continents. And this is where the Panama Canal comes in. The Panama Canal, of course, is one of the seven wonders of the modern world. And Panama is the only place in the world where you can see the sun rise on the Pacific and set on the Atlantic, which is really cool. Panama is a small country. Population is just over 4 million. And the entire country is smaller than the U.S. state of South Carolina. In Panama, the official language is Spanish. I myself am not very fluent in Spanish, I think because I don't speak it often. But you, Michelle, being in Panama for going on your fifth year now, 
you and your family have become quite fluent in speaking Spanish. Um, yeah, my, I would say my Spanish is pretty good in terms of my conjugation. I'm not, um, I'm not great. Um, but I, when I speak Spanish, um, I don't, I don't care if you don't understand me. My, not to say I don't care if you don't understand me. It's, you got to edit that out. <laughs> I think what you're saying is that it's, we don't need to edit that out. I agree with you. It's it's better that you don't care if they don't understand you because if you don't try, you're never going to learn. As we're with myself, if I go to the store and I'm asking for, you know, batteries and I Google Translate and it says, you know, baterias and I say, you know, I'm looking for baterias and they look at me like I have two heads. I'm like, I'm trying to say this. So sometimes you just give up and you're like, I'm not even going to try because clearly I'm not doing it in your proper accent. So I think with you, it's you keep trying and you keep trying and it's your stubbornness <laughs> that has helped you learn how to speak Spanish. I'm afraid to mess up, but you're not. So you've learned. Yeah, I've been in situations where I've spoken Spanish and then somebody will turn around in perfect English and say to me, you know, in this country, we speak Spanish. And I'll be like, well, what do you think I just said? I practiced and practiced before I even opened my mouth. And um, that's the thing here. A lot of people can speak English, but you'll find um, the expats speak more Spanish because we have to, you have to, um, uh, you have to learn the language because when you go into the interior, it's very difficult because a lot of the people don't speak the language. So Yeah, and I think that a lot of expats, I mean, I know I made this mistake, but when I knew we were moving to Panama, I would, you know, I signed up for Duolingo, I signed up for Rosetta Stone, and I was trying to teach myself Spanish, but there is different Spanish. So you have your Spain Spanish, your European Spanish, and then you have your Central America Spanish. And then you have Panamanian Spanish, which has its own dialect. So there's a challenge in there as well. Most of your Spanish you've learned through conversing with the lady that works in your house and she's Colombian, correct? Yeah, she's um, she can't speak a word of English. And then I have an Amazon Alexa. So what helps is um, I will ask Alexa, to say something to her in Spanish and that way we can both read it, we can both see it and we can both hear what Alexa is saying. So we get the phonics as well. Um, but in and terms- if anyone's listening to this podcast in their house right now, all of their Alexas are going, how can I help you? How can I help you? Because <laughs> <laughs> we said our name so many times. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, so I spend a lot of time going, Alexa, how do you say this in Spanish? And a lot of the time I know exactly what to say because I've made sure that I've learned a lot of words, but I've learned a lot of words by just speaking. Um, and then why I ask Alexa is because she puts the conjugation properly for me, you know, which is important. Right. So you're, so, you're so good that you want to learn proper Spanish. I'm like, you know, I could you know, ask a few things. I could order some food at a restaurant, but I also don't have someone around me that I speak Spanish to all the time. I yeah. know I should speak the language. You know, we've been here in Panama for six years, but it's just so awful that I just still don't speak the language. But that's why I hang out with people like you that speak the, but speak also, the language. Having said that, a lot of the reasons why I learned to speak Spanish was because my younger son does motocross. And um, it took us a year to fit into the motocross crowd here in Panama. 
because we were a foreign family coming in and uh, we only speak English and everybody there spoke Spanish until my son started playing with a little boy that was bilingual and he could speak English and Spanish and eventually what I did was I made sure that when we would have the motocross meetings or we would have um, just a, a motocross briefing or whatnot I made sure that I learned Spanish so that I could understand so that my son was riding safely because there was nobody right. there to explain to us what to do so for sure so it definitely takes you out of your comfort zone but you're like I need to figure this out it's for safety too and, and you know with thing, children if yeah you, if you want to learn Spanish fast just order McDonald's <laughs> oh really <laughs> that's right that is one thing that is universal in any country in any language is McDonald's yep. <laughs> yep. but you know with with children and learning another language children are such sponges when it comes to immersing them in another cu culture and another language like for myself because I'm shy when I try to speak Spanish I probably know more than I give myself credit for but children they just don't care you know they don't have that give a fuck that we do where you're scared of screwing up like I want to be friends with this kid we find a way to communicate with each other and before you know it your your child is, is speaking another language and I think that's also what's been really hard with COVID we're going on a year now since the world has pretty much shut down because of the coronavirus everywhere in the world every country has handled the restrictions differently but Panama has definitely been one of the more strict countries in regards to their restrictions our children haven't been in class learning since March 2019 right March 2019 when we think about it yep so they haven't been in in-class learning our children have been getting the virtual learning so they do their classes with their classmates and their teachers online virtually from our respected homes but the entire country in Panama has been shut down and for our children being international students that go to an international school they've been so lucky where we've had the means and the privilege to have access to a good internet connection laptops for each child to use school it's the local children the local Panamanian children who go to the public schools that don't have access to internet to keep up with their studies don't have access to laptops or even a parent cell phone to keep up with their with their education so and then a lot of them are lagging behind because in order because they don't have internet connection at home so then they have to buy data you know and the average salary here in Panama for like a, a somebody who works in your house or a gardener or whatever it's not a lot of money you know so then they have to yeah it's around I believe yeah three to eight hundred dollars a month or something it's it's yeah it, it's the children that are definitely definitely suffering and with our lockdowns countrywide we have been pretty much in strict lockdown where you can only go grocery shopping uh, twice a week for two hours and it's dependent on the last number of your identification here in Panama and also the genders are split up so in your household you can't go to the grocery store with your husband or your children you have to go like Monday Wednesday is ladies day Tuesday Thursday is men's day and you can only go during your two hour window and then you're stuck inside so it's been 
the country that we're living in, while it's a beautiful tropical paradise, we've definitely been, you know, subject to some of the more harsh lockdown. Yeah, it's rules. It is. It's been very difficult. It's uh, it's also been an eye opener in terms of, uh, you know, even though we're expatting, is this is this my forever home? You know, do I want to live like this forever? Do I want to live under these rules? Is it going to change? Um, is it going to carry on for another year or two? You know, because mm-hmm. it's just there seems to be new rules every day, just in terms of um, what we are allowed and not allowed to do. You know, they can only go to the beach um, for certain um, hours of the day, or um, weekends are total lockdown. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and we definitely aren't, you know, privileged to have the rights that we, you know, would have had or may have had in our home birth countries. You know, like I'm seeing a lot more posts pop up on our expat groups that are on Facebook of people wanting to move to Panama because they're so tired of the lockdown restrictions that the governments are enforcing on them in North America. Every now and then, you sound like you're breaking up. Oh, is that better? Yeah, just. Just carry on talking. It just it goes up and down. Okay. And again, Michelle and I, as we said, her and I are both in Panama where we don't have the best internet connections. I am literally in the middle of the rainforest. <laughs> Michelle is in a house by the Pacific Ocean. And our audio connection may not always be 100%. So you guys have to bear with us if we do have some audio issues. But it's just the joys of living in a developing country. We won't always have the best internet connection. But... On that note, Michelle, tell us about what brought you to be in Panama. Tell us your story. So we've been in Panama going on our fifth year now. Um, What brought us here is my husband works for a mining company, one of the biggest mines in Central South America. And this particular company, um, we worked for them in Zambia before. We lived there for five years with the same company and then... Um, my husband had the opportunity to move over to Panama because um, the mine was opening up and starting to produce here. So we took the opportunity and we moved to Panama. And um, it's it's been a difficult journey. It's been a memorable journey. It's been... Um, it, it hasn't been the easiest in terms of... Um, language barrier is always a problem Uh, we come from an english-speaking country and then we need to learn spanish which we have Um, and then in terms of logistics like finding your own house uh, people understanding the brief between an apartment and a a house Um, uh, finding a car finding a, a electrician finding a plumber and you know google translate becomes your best friend in the end because Without Google Translate, if you cannot speak the language, then you just cannot get by. Um, also, it's in terms of finding schools, you know, because we chose to live on the beach area, um, finding the correct school that suits our needs for our children has also been quite a, a difficult um, journey. Um, is there a large large choice in with international schools for expat families? There are tons of choices uh, for expat families in the city. But on the beach areas, there's only three. That's it. 
And how far is the beach area from Panama City, roughly? It's two hours. What, depending? It's a two hour two drive. Two hours or so? Yeah, it's a, it's a two hour drive. Uh, we choose not to live in the city because um, my husband works on the mine and he would have a rotation of, I think it would be like 10 days on, four days off. Uh, we're quite happy with the five days on, two days off, like a normal working person, nine to five job. Um, but with COVID, things have changed. So a lot of the time it's six weeks on, two weeks off, or I don't know what the rotation is at the moment with the guys um, and with this quarantine and all of that jazz. But in terms of schooling, from my research, Panama has, for such a small country, it has lots and lots of schools to offer. Um, finding the right school for your needs in terms of um, English, logistics, that kind of a thing uh, is obviously where you choose to stay. We choose to stay on the beach area. Uh, you could homeschool your child. Um, we choose not to homeschool. Um, our kids, even though they are online schooling at the moment, they are still in school with the kids that they were at school with a year ago. So it's very important for me that they have that contact. Yeah, you know? and that bit of normalcy in, in with their day as well, for sure. And yeah, routine. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, especially when you move your, yeah. you know, small children from what they've known for so many years to a new country, it's important that they keep a routine that they're familiar with. I mean, obviously pre-COVID, COVID has kind of messed everything up for everyone, but you know, getting children right back into a routine with their peers and of children who are from, you know, all over the world as well. You know, like how many different countries do our children have friends from? <laughs> like, it's such a cool experience. You know, and also being in the mine, um, we have like you Canadian, um, we have Australian, we have Scottish, we have American, we have South African, we even have... Uh, people from Africa itself, you know, from Zambia. So it's a diverse culture that our, our children are exposed to. And we're very lucky that they can live the life that they live. Um, and also going to a school physically, they are more, even though it's not a Panamanian school, it's an American school, they, they are still Panamanian children at the school. So they still mixing with the culture they're still learning the language you know and that that for me is very important because spanish is what the second most important language in the world yeah i believe i was yeah i, I was reading recently that i believe in in america spanish was actually almost ahead of english in the most spoke language in the country i mean it's such an important tool to have to learn to learn Spanish. Mm. I think it's, um, you know, when we went to the States, we've, we've been to the States quite a few times and we're very lucky that we can, but a lot of Florida, Miami um, is Spanish, you know, it's the Hispanic community. Um, so, uh, I mean, all our Uber drivers were from Venezuela or Colombia or Mexico, mm -hmm. you know, so, and lucky for me, um, also a lot of the times, I think why I learned Spanish so fast is I speak to the taxi drivers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're not speaking yeah. or practicing the language, it, it's not, you're not going to remember it, you know? <laughs> no, I'm always practicing my language. So 
I don't know. It's just I, I'm very good with languages, though. I've I lived in Israel for two years, and I, I picked up Hebrew at one stage. Um, so it's it's this will be my third language because in South Africa we learn Afrikaans at school, and then we learn we have 11 official languages, and then we learn one of the um, uh, the native languages, which I learned Zulu. So I can. I can say one or two things in Zulu now, but because I don't converse in Zulu, I um, you forget, you know. So practice makes consistency, yeah. not yeah. perfect. <laughs> so as as a mother, as a woman, uh, you know, as you know, a leader of your family, how did you guys decide to leave your regular life in South Africa and decide to live in different cities and different countries? So my husband, I tell the, always tell the story like a hundred times. My husband and I, we got married and my idea was let's travel the world. We don't have any kids. Let's go. And he said, no, no, no. It's different ideas. Let's get a house. Let's get a job. Let's have kids. You know, let's just do the normal what's expected of us. And I just, I'd already traveled for two years before that by myself. So I'd already had the bug of the wanderlust. And um, he'd never been overseas. And then six months into our marriage, he would bought a house and he um, would move to a new town as well. And he had got this job opportunity to go work in the DRC in the Congo. Wow, and, he, the Democratic and he had Republic. never been overseas before. Wow. No, no, he'd never been overseas, you know. So... Having said, South Africa is a continent. And within the continent of South Africa, you have different countries. Oh, of South Africa is a continent, God. And within Africa, you have different countries, of which we are from South Africa. We have lived in Zambia for five years. My husband lived and worked in Congo for six years. Um, he worked in Sierra Leone. He worked in Botswana and Zimbabwe. So he's done a lot of Africa. And this has been with the and same job worked. that he's that he's had, the same company? No. Oh, okay. So he, he worked for a different mining company. So he's always been in mining in terms of our expat okay. life. He's always been in Okay, mining. so similar, same industry. Yeah. yeah. So he's in procurement. So procurement is basically somebody that would buy the tires that they need for the the trucks or the toilet paper, the pencils, the uh, everything, mm -hmm. you know, it just depends what, what procurement department you're in. So he basically is the procurement manager and he heads his little departments and they buy whatever, whatever. But um, he's always been in mining in procurement. He was lucky enough he got an opportunity to work in the Congo and that's where he started. I worked in the Congo with him for a year and then on a contract basis, my contract um, was given, was end, ended, sorry, I'm not thinking. My contract ended and then I um, went back to South Africa and it, it was so weird because we'd moved to this new little town, which was his hometown and um, Benoni and I didn't know a soul there. I didn't grow up in that town. So I remember sitting on the couch thinking, what am I supposed to do with my life now? He's there, I'm here. And um, 
I'm, I'm a swimmer. So I thought, well, I'm going to do a swimming course and I'm going to open up a swim school because that's what I know how to do. I'm good with kids, so I opened up a swimming school. And uh, from our garden pool, I started with five children. And then 11 years later, I rented a property with 250 kids. And um, that's what I ended with, you know, indoor pool. I had a, an amazing business. And then I remember one day, just I couldn't do it anymore I was just I was so tired I was tired of living alone I was tired of seeing my husband every three months I was tired of wearing all the different kinds and of by, hats and by this of, time you guys have have had children within this period as well this yeah. 11 years that your husband's been flying back and forth away yeah. and you're running this business yeah and you guys have your two sons yeah so we had two boys um and the tricky part of that is that uh you know, I, I never saw him, but uh, I had children from him. So yeah, <laughs> and, everybody, and everybody's like, "Who's the dad?" No, he's the dad. Yeah, he's and and dad. like you told me, you, you know, he would come home, and when he came home, it was party time, and all rules out the window, and then dad would have to head back to work, and it was you know good cop bad cop. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, and then I'd have to put all the pieces back together um, in terms of discipline, in terms of eating habits, in terms of. Um, just everything you know and it was wonderful um to have him home but it was also traumatic for the kids when he would leave you know because we'd only see him in three months time um i remember i can't i cannot even tell you how many times i stood in the airport for 11 years every three months every six weeks waiting waiting for him to come through yeah. you know and there were times where he came through where I must be honest, where I would slide down the wall and I'd think, Oh my God, what has the what has Africa done to you? What has mining done to you? Because he would come with a, a massive beard or his head sh his hair shaved right. off. And... Always a different person when he when he yeah. arrives. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew who all the miners were coming off the plane because they were filthy, you know? All the guys were just, oh, he's from the mine, he's from the mine, mm -hmm. you know, and they were tired all coming home because they work seven days a week, yeah. you know, for those six weeks. Yeah, so, but then we got the opportunity to live in Zambia. Uh, we were very lucky that um, this particular mine offered a um, housing for families. And it was a wonderful commune. Um, some people call it a commune, some people call it... Um, what is this another name a compound mm -hmm. you know um ours were we lived on a golf estate beautiful um everybody's allocated a house and there was a school on the golf estate um outside of the golf estate you would go to what they would call the shop right checkers which in panama would be equivalent to a super 99 um which would be equivalent to like a a grocery store what yeah would, a grocery store yeah. supermarkets yeah what, what would you have in Canada? What is the, like the average? Yeah, it would be like a like a Publix or a Save on Foods or j just your regular neighborhood grocery store. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then that's that's all you'd have, you know. When I first started, we didn't even have traffic lights when I started there. When they put the traffic lights up in um, the little town that I, we lived in, it's called Sulwezi in Zambia. Um <laughs> it was funny because people didn't even understand how the traffic lights were. Did, did, did you have you know? a vehicle? Did you need a vehicle or would you just... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a... 
yeah, everybody has a car. Um, for the first six months, I didn't have a car because we just we needed to um, get ourselves sorted. But everybody has four by fours. You have to have a four by four there in Zambia because um, there's a lot of potholes. The roads are not good. Um, they it's very dusty. So everybody has a four, and people don't have new four by fours. You have old Toyota Land Cruisers that uh, have gone through many, many owners. Yeah, and the ones that last forever. No matter, <laughs> yeah. those are the vehicles that you yeah. want. I, yeah. I, I loved, I loved my car when we were in Zambia. It was just a Toyota. Was it was it Land Cruiser? Yeah. I don't think it wasn't even a Land Cruiser. It was just a, a big Toyota four by four. You know, and um, it was dusty. It was. It was just, it, was per- it got it was, me from yeah, A to B. It, it was, was perfect. True. Yeah, it did yeah. the job. And, and like you said, it takes a while to get things like a vehicle. Like, um, you know, it's something you need to realize when you pick up your life and move to an entire different place. You arrive and you have, you know, your suitcases. You need to, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you need to figure out the vehicle and, you know, get your kids set up for school. And you're, you're just starting from the beginning again. Well, I remember when we arrived in Panama, we didn't know what a Panama Pass was. Mm-hmm. So we were given a car and the, the mine had organized a car for us in terms of um, a, a hired vehicle. And the the hired company had not um, renewed what they call a Panama Pass, which you put on your window. And, and it gets you through the, the tolls, is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically you get you through the toll gate. And, because um, they don't accept cash, of course. You can't just go through with cash. Yeah. You have to load this digital voucher and you can load it yeah, at yeah, just... the supermarket or you can load it online or you can go to the government office. But yes, you need this sticker in your windshield or otherwise you're not you're yeah. not driving down the highway. And in Panama, there's one main highway, the, the yeah. Panacostal American Highway. The, the Inter-American There's one highway that connects... You know, you could drive from America all the way through this one highway. And if you don't have this Panapass, you're stuck at these metal barriers. And there's... And they just, they won't Have open. you ever had to and back up that just... one before? Well, when we arrived, that's what happened. And um, the next thing, the police arrived. He obviously was just around. And he came to our car and tapped on our window and told us we need to keep on moving. We can't speak the language. I've only been in the country for like a couple of days. So we're like... You know, sorry, we, we didn't even know how to say um, I don't understand or, you know, please or whatever. So um, we just pointed to the thing and said it's not working. And then they were very kind, which they never really do actually just push the button and let mm-hmm. you in, let you out, you know. And then my husband took the car straight back to the hotel and we got an Uber. We were like, no, not doing we're this. Done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, that was our first driving experience. Nope. We gave the car back the next day and we just, you know, Uber, you can get around with the Uber in the city. You don't need a car in the city, but where we live, you need a car. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, you used to live where I live. Um, if you want a decent grocery store, it's a 40 minute drive, you know, for decent vegetables. Yeah, that's the thing about Panama is it's not very walking friendly. You know, it's not, you know, you don't throw on your backpack and hop on your bicycle and bicycle down to the corner store to get your groceries for the week. You, you, you do need a vehicle. You need a vehicle to get from point A to point B to survive for sure. In the city, of course, as you were saying, you could hop in a cab 
or you could walk but yeah. where we are in the in the beaches area where most of the expats are situated in the beaches area um yeah you definitely need a vehicle yeah it's um you know and here we have um my i have a vehicle my husband has a vehicle and um he he needs it obviously to go to work and back um, my vehicle is basically to run errands mm-hmm. and you know school for the kids you know yeah um a lot of people in panama have what they call a molita and that's a mule or it's not a, like a it's not an animal right like a side by like a side by side or yeah <laughs> yeah it's a side by side and a lot of people that live at the beach have that it's easy access to get to the beach mm-hmm. um Uh, we have one and... and it's so hot here so a lot of people would think you know wh- why do you need a you know an, an ATV to get down to the beach well it is it is very very hot here as we spoke about in the beginning of the episode um you know 32 to 36 degrees which i mean sounds sounds lovely but add the humidity onto it add the blaring sun right above your head and it is it's extremely hot it's like i often say it's like breathing through soup and after spending your day at the beach and trying to lug, you know, kids and beach towels and everything oh, yeah. and walking back to your house it's it's exhausting and sometimes you don't want to get into your vehicle, you know, you're full of sand, you just want to dr- jump in the side by side to drive to your house. Yeah. You can just pile everything in the back and then it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um and then in terms of us expatting, uh my family has expatted it's it's a it's a two-way conversation so my family has expatted for 10 years children and husband and myself included my husband and i have expatted for 20 years as long as we've been married and um, reason being he left me after six months to go and expat and we've done this this is what this is what we know you know and my kids have only done this for the last 10 years so we've experienced single life as well as family life expats. Yeah, and how old are your two boys now? So I have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. So pretty much their Kids whole lives, their whole lives that they can remember. 10 years they've been. Yeah. Expats. So Lucian when he left South Africa, he was two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. So we moved to Zambia. So every time I say to him, "Do you want to go home?" he says, "Can we go back to Zambia?" because that's all he knows and my kids only started school in Zambia they never went to school in South Africa so mm-hmm. well they did they went to like kindergarten what do you call it kindergarten yeah preschool kindergarten mm-hmm. yeah we call it nursery school so yeah same as preschool school. yeah yeah and then from there they went to primary school in so uh, in Zambia mm-hmm. you know and then my oldest one's doing high school now in Panama and My youngest one's doing it's it's so different he's doing elementary is are they in elementary or middle school There well, are children are in 5th grade so I'm Canadian and in Canada elementary school is first grade first grade through 6th grade and then okay. middle school or junior high is 7th grade through 8th grade and then high school is 9th grade to 12th grade In South Africa we don't have middle school and all of that jazz we have primary school and high school it's, it's so much more simple you know yeah i don't, don't i don't understand why stuff more. Yeah, our kids be in fifth grade why 
our art, the school our kids go to the international school, it's led by Americans, it's on the American school calendar, and they call their fifth grade middle school. But in Canada, we yeah. wouldn't call it that. So I'm, yeah, it'd be elementary, it'd be yeah. Yeah, elementary school, primary school. So, yeah, and it was very confusing for me in the beginning to understand the difference between middle school, ele- uh, elementary, middle school, sophomore, what is it, sophomore, and then, yeah, again, that's American. If you're a junior okay. or a sophomore, I, I'm, junior, I, I'm yeah. not sure. But also what's different is the age cutoff too. So what country you are planning on moving to, it's important to know what their age cutoff is. So for my kids in Canada, the age cutoff to enter kindergarten was middle of February. As long as they were five by the middle of February, they could go into kindergarten in September. Well, when we moved to an American school program in Panama, based on the American school calendar, they had to be five by September. So my children, their birthdays are at the end of August. So they are literally the youngest kids in the class. Like our boys are in the same class and your son is more than a year older than my son. So it's something to yeah, yeah, factor in if if your child is at such a young age where you could maybe decide to maybe hold them back another year. that is something you could consider but it's definitely something to ask when you move to a new country what the age cutoff is for for grades yeah and in terms of family are my kids happy are we happy in panama yes we are unfortunately we have that wanderlust that wondering thing about us where we we do everybody gets it after every five years we get itchy feet you know and it's like where can we go next you know what can we explore next what else is out there what like what could be better yeah. <laughs> it just keeps getting better yeah, exactly. what's next <laughs> you know and I always I always say oh I want a forever home I want to decorate my own home I don't want to live in boxes or like often I say to my husband oh, I need something and he'll say where is it and I'll say it's in the box in the back room and he'll say oh it's probably the one right at the bottom you know and there's boxes there that we haven't even touched for five years that we've been here. Like, do I really need them? Probably not. But I can tell you now, when they're gone, I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, I needed that from that box. You know? 100%. When, yeah. we arrived, <laughs> when we arrived in Panama, we arrived with 21 boxes of books, six motorbikes, and clothes. And then the odd uh, ornament or whatever, you know. And we sold our entire house, all our furniture in Zambia. We thought we didn't need anything because we knew we were coming to a fully furnished place. And and in Panama, if, if most... you're coming here and you are renting or even buying a house, unless it's a brand new built house, it will be furnished, completely furnished, yeah. down to the linens, to the silverware, to the beds, to the patio furniture. It'll it be... is furnished. It'll be over furnished 100% and they don't like removing things from the property either so I, I don't know if it's the Panamanian culture but you'll go look at a house and there's like 30 chairs in the house because they like entertaining and I'm like there's too many chairs in here do you think you could take them out no no we can't take them out and I'm like well, I can't rent this house there's too many chairs in it <laughs> like it's just such a ridiculous thing but you know when you're used to a certain way and where I don't like living with clutter or too much stuff you know and and you're right it's it's over furnished and it's often decorated to someone else's tastes as well which is yeah so for instance when we moved into our house it took me a week to pack up the landlord's stuff in the house because it, it was just clutter of ornaments deluxe 
and it took me a week to pack up his stuff so that I could unpack my stuff and in all honesty I've hardly unpacked any of my stuff in terms of ornaments and stuff like that but those 21 boxes of books we've never opened mm-hmm. so with we didn't realize how hot it is in Panama so I'm dreading the day that we actually do decide to open anyone I'm sure that they are rotten mm-hmm. you know and we had an amazing collection of books we had a beautiful books bookshelf and you know so I'm sure that's good as good for fire um, fire <laughs> fire kindling yeah. <laughs> but you but you know what they're sentimental to you and and when you do eventually end up back in your forever home you're going to want to have those books on the mantle even if they have a little bit of humidity mold damage to it but you know it's nice that you're that, that you have good landlords in your house in Panama that you were able to pack up some of their things and they took it out i remember our last apartment that we had rented it almost was like they left in the middle of the night and they just didn't come back like in the bathroom there was half empty shampoo bottles and combs and and it just odd things you know purses and bags and and as soon as i walked in my ocd was like you know like your alarm's going off because you're just like there's just too much stuff in here there's too much stuff in here there's too much stuff in here so you just you know to try to make it feel like home you have to i mean you have to do what you can but it's it's just you're going into another culture no we're very blessed with the land uh the landlords that we have they have they actually sent a truck here the one day yeah and they said put whatever you don't want in the house in the truck wow and yeah lucky so i loaded that truck and you know it was it it wasn't a lot of um how can i say odds and sods it was more furniture like you said and heavy heavy quality made furniture right like heavy yeah, wood furniture of furniture and dark yeah. dark heavy wood furniture as well right yeah. you're, and like, you're and so lucky you could take it away well. yeah yeah because again yeah. the culture there's a lot more people in the family who sleep in the house or where you know you are at the beaches they rent out the properties on the weekends to people from the city and they want to bring 10 of their family members so they want two sets of bunk beds in every room a king size bed exactly. with a with a single bed at the foot like there's beds everywhere <laughs> we looked at one house and we asked like can you take some of this furniture out of here and they said well we can but we're going to charge you for the moving truck and we're going to charge you a rental fare every month to put our stuff in storage because some of these people really? live in the city but then they have fully over furnished properties in the beaches area where we are that they what are you going to do with the furniture so. i know and that's why we are we have never looked back i mean we've been in this house for as long as we've been in panama and every little thing um that like send me a list like we ask them to maintain the house in terms of it needs a paint that needs new um uh like the the roof tiles broken or whatever mm-hmm. and he said that's fine send me a list and I'll get it done you know yeah. which we're very lucky right. so yeah um i wanted to tell you something in terms of um schooling you know schooling has been different here because in zambia the, the children wore school uniforms and it's an american school here so the children don't wear school uniforms so there was that big debate in terms of you know do you prefer your child in a school uniform or do you 
do the kids prefer it or you prefer them to go in we call them civvies just normal clothes okay and from my point of view i prefer it if the kids just go normal clothes mm-hmm. but from my husband's point of view he enjoys the kids going in a school uniform mm-hmm. but it bearing in mind the schools are not like they are in south africa they are completely different yeah there is no comparison and of course the the panamanian schools the local public schools they're all in uniform but again our international schools it's basically like a bunch of beach bum surf kids that throw on their board shorts and t-shirts and haven't had haircuts in a year <laughs> and no, in their and, toes and that would be there would be more the kids on the beach area but like when you go to the international schools in the city right. they are in school uniforms you know but it's when i compare it to a south african school if there are any south africans ever listening and wanting to move here you are not going to get a school in panama like you get in south africa and i'm sure the same is with canada i'm sure the same is with in what way do you mean like you know, in a level of education or do you mean in policies and procedures or in the way the school looks as appearance or safety or what do you, what are you referring to i would say all of the above um in terms of education it depends where you go you know and how much you pay and what not there are fantastic schools here where you'll get top notch education but you'll pay for um, it for sure but you because a lot of the schools like you said in the city the international schools where they're in the full uniform um a lot of those schools have children in it where the parents have been brought in by big companies in the city so they pay a lot of the children's school fees they subsidize yeah, yeah. as we're in the beaches it's a lot of the expat families where you know we're we're paying lower fees but we don't quite have the facilities that they would have in the in the city exactly so in terms of a south african school you know sport is compulsory so or um if your child is not sporty then they would do an alternative like public speaking or drama or chess or there's there's always something for each individual you know where here especially where we are in the beach areas if you want your child to do sport it's up to you as a parent to make sure that your child does tennis or does swimming or you know and everything is at an extra cost where it's in South Africa it's all it's part of the school it's part of your curriculum mm-hmm. you know so and that's how we grew up um swimming was compulsory athletics was compulsory netball you name it yeah yeah so i, I miss that I, i miss the culture in terms of school culture for my children mm-hmm. and uh, but right. they've never Right. And and so would you say, you know, to uh, finish off about your experience in Panama, how does your quality of life compare here as you know, being here as a family compared to all the other places that you've lived at? So in terms of security, um and I think it's because of where we live. We live in a very exclusive state in a state in Panama. Um so there is security guards and there are so you mean um, safety. Yeah, safety. Uh there's a many times where I don't lock my front door or we don't have burglar proofing on the bar, on, on the the windows. Right, cuz you you're in a safe um, more upper class. I'm in a very safe space. right be- beach community. Yeah. Right. But that's also because I'm in on an estate. Um if you live outside, which I've never done in Panama, you have um if you live in an, a freestanding house outside of a an estate 
it's a completely different ball game, you know. And you can you can talk about that because you've done that, been there, you've done estate life, and you've done a freestanding. Yeah, house, and, and you know? when you mean estate, you mean like a, a gated community where there's a gated right a gated community yeah. where they you know you have to show identification before you come through the through the gates. You have a homeowners association. You have certain standards that you have to hold your property up to, and the people who live there. And you are you're in a very yeah, safe yeah. community where you know you know you know your neighbor, and your neighbor is well off, and and that there's money in the community. And you know, and you get many many of those estates in South Africa, but again. You have burglar proof. It's a South African way. You have double security. You have an alarm system. You have uh, all sorts of things. We're here. We don't. I mean, my house has got windows all the way around. It's, it's like a glass house, but there's not one burglar um, bar yeah. on the window. So so you interesting. Know? Yeah, because so, coming from Canada, I mean, of course, we don't have. You know bars on the windows we don't have we don't live in gated communities we don't have security guards policing we don't have any of that and i remember making a comment to one of my other south african friends who lived on a bottom level condo in the community that you are talking about that you live in and i said oh do you you know do you get nervous being there by yourself all week with your husband working and she's like i'm from africa like i'm miranda this is safe you know like it's safe where we're living and as Canadians you know it's something where you know I lived in a very safe small town in Canada very low crime rate and we didn't have bars on the windows or anything but we had a full security system alarm system my husband had um, a license to have a gun which we had safely concealed and locked away but we had that in the house and it's thinking about it now it's just like it's it's so silly being Canadian not saying nothing happens in Canada but the different cultures for sure that you know you coming from South Africa you're saying you feel very safe here you know but you know growing up in South Africa you are it's it's in your nature to get in your car and lock your door or to buy a car that automatically locks itself to have a bag that has a zip that's not uh, a clip you know have a bag that's over you so um, when you drive your car, you turn your rings, you know, little things. And yeah, I don't even think about it. Interesting. You know, obviously, I do because I'm South African. It's, it's in my of nature. Of course, yeah. But yeah. But I, I watch my kids sometimes and I'm like, oh my God. You know, like how blase are you? But they didn't grow up the way I grew mm-hmm. up. They didn't grow up looking behind their shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. So what does life look like for you guys for in the future? Do you have, you know, itchy feet where there's places that you wish you could go or you would want to explore next? You know, I, I so desperately miss family and I miss family for my children. So I would desperately want to live somewhere where I could live near family. And having said that, my older sister is in the UK. My youngest sister is in New Zealand. My parents are in South Africa and we are in Panama. So it's one big triangle. Mm-hmm. And if I could live in, I, I mean, I'd go home tomorrow. I would honestly go back to South Africa tomorrow. But then I've been out of South Africa for so long and I don't want my husband to do FIFO, which is fly and fly out. So I don't want him to 
I don't want to go back to where I was in the beginning of my relationship. I see him every 10 weeks for three weeks or whatever, you know. Um, ideally, I would love to live in Canada. I've never been there, but it's always been my dream to move to Canada. We were looking at the States um, and only because we're looking for a forever home, okay. you know. But who knows? No. Who knows where we might be in six months? Who, mm. who knows? I might live in Panama for the rest of my life. It's just it's funny. I always remind myself, you know, rem- Miranda, remember when all you ever wanted was what you have now. But like you said, when you have that wanderlust, which is the whole basis of this podcast we want to bring to other women with that desire is you just get that itchy feed and you don't know what it means. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could mean nothing. It's but exploring it is what's exciting. Uh, you know, the life that we lead, especially um, because we're earning the US dollar and we are expatting, uh, we've traveled a lot. So even though I live in Panama and I've been here for five years, I still have the opportunity to wonder whether I like it, you know, whether I, I put my roots down or I stay there in another place for five years, or whether I just go there for a two-week vacation, mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for sharing that story. It's super interesting. Was there anything else you wanted to add? No. Um, <laughs> You'll think of something later, but you know, we're yeah. gonna have a lot of time to talk and and discuss our expat life. So, if anyone has any questions or comments for Michelle check out our Instagram page. It's Wanderlust Woman Podcast. Comment, ask questions regarding this episode. Next week, I will tell my story about joining the Wanderlust world, coming from a different angle of no secure job, no prospects, just basically being sick of the long Canadian winters and longing for life by the beach with my family. So...